On the show this week, I talk to life and business coach John Covey. We talk about goal setting, how to come up with a proposition that's different to everyone else's, and how to engage with customers through communications. Welcome to episode 183 of the Marketing and Finance Podcast. This is the podcast for ideas and inspiration on marketing your business and growing your business and for discussing topics on all things finance. I'm Roger Edwards, a marketing guy and keynote speaker from Edinburgh. Talk to me if you want to cut the BS and the complexity from your marketing strategy. Hey folks, and welcome to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Thank you, as always, for downloading or streaming the show. You know I really appreciate you taking the time to plugging me and my guests into your earphones. This week, I'm talking to John Covey, and we chat about the benefits of helping others in business, John's tips for goal-setting mastery, how to set the right goals for you, how to develop your offer, moving from blood-red waters to clear blue oceans, and using social media in your marketing strategy. So let's get straight into that interview with John right here on the Marketing and Finance Podcast. John, welcome to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Hi, Roger. Where are we Zooming each other from today, John? Now, of course, I'm in Edinburgh, as always. Uh, For myself, I'm from a lovely little village called Penniston, which is just at the side of the Peak District. John, you are a award-winning life coach, business coach, leadership trainer and entrepreneur with over two decades of experience working with large and small companies. So we've got loads of things that we can talk about today. And I particularly would like to get into some conversations with you about building businesses and putting together marketing strategies and how that might dovetail in with some of the ideas that I have. But before we get into that, John, give the listeners of the Marketing and Finance podcast a little bit of background about yourself, where you came from, how your career developed, where you're going, and most importantly, what makes John Covey tick? My story is pretty open. I mean, it's pretty transparent. I I dropped out of school at 14. Um, I did an opportunity with the summer job that was really impressed, asked me to stay on. So I I came out of school to stay there full time. And I think that what I, I'd always been a little bit of a, I suppose, a wheeler dealer, if you like. So Mm -hmm. I used to sell BMXs, sell skateboards. So I've always had my finger on the pulse, if you like, looking at opportunities. And what I found is that after a year or so in the business that I, that I, well, the company that I was working for, they didn't really like me challenging their ideas. Um, and so it wasn't long before I got the boot. I actually got incredibly good at getting sacked. It became a bit of one of my specialities. <laughs> it hit me one day, I thought, you know what? I don't like being the one that's getting sacked. I, I want to do this and sack them instead when things weren't working. And I, I went through probably, I don't, maybe I don't know, five years, I think, trying to find what I really liked. And and it was just by the complete off chance, I landed in a door-to-door sales company. Right. And it was built in a way that it allowed you to come in with no experience, no knowledge, no sales experience, or even business acumen. And they teach you what you needed to do. So very quickly, I built a, a sizable team. We were all earning football salaries off the back of this. We were bringing millions of pounds in each year for our clients. And, and it was knocking on doors, selling gas and electricity. It wasn't anything glamorous other than the office resembled something that you see in the Wolf of Wall Street. It was, <laughs> it was an insane time. Uh, but what it showed me, or, or certainly what it developed in me, was the right type of attitude. 
the right ethics and all the right principles that I needed to apply to my life and my businesses going forward. And so from that, it allowed me to branch out into businesses for myself. And I, I failed at, at several different businesses. I crashed and burned a couple. I raised some finance along the way through for angel investment. And I, I sold and I merged some companies as well. So I've kind of got the t-shirt and I've worn it a few times as well and put it through the wash as well. And off the back of this, it's allowed me to really identify gaps in the market that work, gaps in the market that don't work, and really helps me to help other people get the best from their business or their life for that matter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But from the back of this, it's allowed me, I, mean, I, I run five companies right now. I'm very hands-on with two. The others are a little bit more standoff. I'm more on a consultant base with these businesses, but they are part of, I do have a shareholding in them companies as well. But what it really allows me to do is bring in my models, bring in the success principles that I apply to, to everything that I get involved with. It just brings me complete satisfaction. So to answer your question about what floats my boat, what makes me tick, is just helping other people get the best out of life that's that's available for them. And, and I think that we become so good at, at making these BS stories up to ourselves that really we're just getting our own way. So to help other people move forward, to remove these stories, it's just that's what fires me up. That's what really gets me excited is to to help people move forward. Do you know that's so interesting? I, I'm I'm currently writing a book, and this book's been in my head for quite a long time. And just this morning, I was typing up part of one of the chapters, and it was all about the speaking gigs that I do. And I, and I, I do speak quite a bit and, and fortunately uh, around the world as well. And I was writing down, you know, when I stand up on stage, it's not because I've got a great big ego. It's not because I want lots of people staring up at me. It's because I like to tell stories that end up helping people. And that's what lights my fire as well is helping people. And, and that is so important, isn't it? Uh, massively so, massively. And I think that what, what, we've, what we soon realise is that, well, I say soon, what some, some people never realise for that matter, <laughs> but what we do realise is that we do more for others than we ever do for ourselves. And once you know how to leverage that, then you can live a really fulfilled life. And, and you only have to look at when you have, you know, your friends, family or dinner parties at your house, you'd be quite happy to, to, to live with a house as it is. Mm -hmm. But then when you've got friends coming around, you begin to tidy it up and you, know, you go out <laughs> of the way to really make that extra attention. And why would you not just do that anyway? And, and so that's a really good example of how we, we definitely do more for others than we do for ourselves. And so when you can tap into this field and you know really serve other people, that's what true fulfillment for me is. And, and, and is it that desire to help people that's really effectively crafted you as a life coach and, and business coach? I think, do you know, do you know what it is? It's different people come for different reasons. Some want the confidence that you bring out in them by being around them because they've, they second guess things or they're not quite sure by somebody else being there who, for the use of a word, has been there and done it. Mm -hmm. It gives them, it gives them that reassurance that actually what, what the ideas that they have or the things that they want to do may actually just work. And so it really helps them to, to, to have that confidence. But others, they just need to be accountable. You know, it's, you know yourself, working for yourself, it's so easy to slope off and do the, do the opposite thing as to what you should be doing or do the thing that brings you the most joy at that moment in time. Yeah. And, and so it's easy for you to, to forget the very core principles of what you need to be doing or the basics, what, what you should be doing as well. Yeah, and one of the things I wanted to talk to you today about was um, it fits in with some of my philosophies and some of my ideas as well. I spent many, many years working for what I call big corporate. And, and I worked myself 
up to the top of big corporate, I, I, be, I became very successful. But there was always something missing. And it was that complexity and that bureaucracy and that bloat that seems to mire big companies and effectively stop them from being super successful. They're often quite successful. They're making profit. But it always feels as if it's a massive, massive effort with so much red tape and so much bureaucracy holding them back. And I spent many, many years putting together marketing strategy. Every year we would go into the, the big strategic review process, which would take months and months and involve days away in meeting rooms, sticking post-it notes on walls and then moving the post-it notes from one side of the room to the other and sticking them on the other wall and doing SWOT analysis and pest analysis and Boston grids and Ansoft's matrices and all of that academic marketing stuff. And the, the more I did it, the more I realized that this was, this was sucking the life out of people and it was stopping people from being creative. It was stopping them from being entrepreneurial. So eventually I left big corporate, set up my own consultancy wanting to help people like you have, you have been doing. And, and I developed this model, which I use with my clients to develop a marketing strategy, almost without having to use the word strategy and ha- without having to use all of those old academic Terms. ways of doing things. And it's very simple. You, you set a goal, you come up with an offer, and then you have a whole load of activity, and that's probably marketing activity, the tactical bits, that you, you take out to market. And, and look, just looking at all the stuff that you do, it, it fits in really quite nicely with that. If we looked at the, the goal part of, of my strategic model, my, my marketing model, you've actually written a book on this whole subject. The book's called Goal Setting Mastery. <laughs> now, again... You know, goal setting was one of those things in big corporate, which, again, I used to dread that every year. Once we'd done the high-level strategic stuff, you'd then have this whole cascade down through the organization of everybody being set their smart objectives. And the amount of paperwork and the amount of box ticking that went with that, again, seemed to seemed to suck the life out of people. And whilst I absolutely buy into the fact that setting goals is crucially important, I do sometimes think that businesses and individuals go around it the long the wrong way. So, what, what, what's your what's your prescription for goal setting mastery, John? I think that you've got to get really clear. I mean, the, the effective goals really have, they have, well, they have the following components, John. They've got to be believable. Mm. It must be something that you can act upon and there must be something that's inspiring. Yes. And and I think that one of the first questions, whether I work with people on a, on a life coaching journey or whether it's a, a business consultancy and, and coaching journey that way, the very first question I always, always ask is, what is it that you truly want? Yeah. And, and it's one of the questions that most people come unstuck with. They'll turn around and they'll say, you know, John, life's, life's just not going according to plan. And I'll say, show me your plan. And you can guarantee they never have one. They don't have one. And it's like, well, how do you know it's not going according to plan? And they say, well, you know, you know what I mean? I'm like, I don't know what you mean. Show me what you mean. And, and, and it's so easy for people to tell you what they don't want. I don't want it in this color. And I don't want it in that size. And I don't want it to cost this or look like this. But you ask them what they do want, and it becomes very, very difficult for them to kind of verbalize. So, so the first thing that I always work with people is to find out exactly what it is that they want. And we can break that down into, into lots of different sections. You know, what do you want in your personal life? What do you want in your business life or your career life? What do you want in terms of your own satisfaction, whether that's just some toys, whether it's gadgets and toys, 
what do you want in terms of getting some time out and some time down and getting away for some R&R? And, and I think that people look at goals as just one thing rather than thinking, how can I have a goal for this and a goal for this and a goal for this? And mm. what I often what I often find with people and with myself is that we actually, we get more from achieving the goal than what the actual goal gives us. Mm. It's that confidence, it's that belief, it's that actually I can create something out of thin air and make it happen. I agree. And and again, I've been thinking about this a lot recently in the context of the book that I'm writing. And, and I think one of the problems I used to have in the in the old corporate days of smart objectives, and I know everybody uses that model, and it stands for, what does the S stand for? It's specific. M is measurable, achievable, realistic, and time-bound. And that they're relevant. They are absolutely relevant. And, and I think specific and measurable is fine. But it, it's the achievable and realistic that I have a problem with because they almost feel like they are an ability to sort of back off a bit. So I, I let, let's let's come up with a really basic example. I want to I want to write ten million pounds worth of business next year. Well, Roger, is that really reasonable? Well, okay, then it's eight million. Are you sure that's that's achievable? Well, actually, okay, it's only five million. I don't know. The model just seems to 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 suck it back a bit. I think what you've got to you've got to identify how goals work for you as an individual because yeah. some people will be really driven by a goal that pushes them, whereas yeah. some people need a goal to push them. Uh, sorry, yeah. to pull them. Mm. Mm. And so, if you're the kind of person that do you know you you you're more of a an an introvert than an extrovert then then a realistic goal, goal is going to be more suited to you whereas if you're somebody that's a little bit you know out there and you are uh, an extrovert in that sense then lift the lid on it you know look at that goal as there's a fantastic sales trainer called Grant Cardone and he's got a book called the 10x rule he mm-hmm. talks about 10x in everything you know 10x your goals 10x your activity and it's phenomenal you know I've had some time where I studied a lot of stuff what Grant did. I spent some time speaking with Grant through some different coaching things, and it was phenomenal. And I think that if you're that way inclined, a goal that's ridiculously obnoxious in anything (laughs) will will pull you massively towards it. Whereas if you're not that kind of person, then you need to have something that's a little bit more realistic. Yeah. You'll never never buy into it. Yeah, I think you used the word inspiring before as well, didn't you? And, Uh, And again, I think to me... A smart objective or something, a smart goal that just says, let's increase business by X percent. Let's get a market share of X percent. Let's increase our customer base by several thousand. Those are Mm -hmm. fine goals to have, but I want to be excited by a goal, you know. So I could say to myself, okay, I'm going to speak on 20 stages in the next 12 months. Now that's that's that fits smart smart objective. I can say it's it's specific, measurable, all of that stuff. But is it exciting? You know, am I stood there? You know, I've got to bring into it what I said earlier about seeing light bulbs go off above people's heads, seeing how my stories can help them to to develop and to change. So to me, there has to be something inspiring or exciting about the goal to make it worthwhile. Yeah, totally. I think that, I mean, what what I like to get people to do with goals is to break them down into into four sectors, if you like, where Mm -hmm. the first sector is once you've got the goal, you need to evaluate and reflect upon it. Mm. So, Joe, have you done this before? Is this something that you can duplicate? Yeah. Can you improve on something that you have done before? Because then you buy into it, you get the total belief in this as well. And then it's a, it, you've got that evaluation process in, 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 in place. And then, you know, decide 
when it's going to happen. You know, you do need that timely and that smart, effective to kind of fit in there. So the, the four stages really is, is evaluate and reflect, decide what you want, be smart, and then have some form of accountability because a goal on its own, it's so easy because it's easy for you to move into. It's also easy for you to move away from. And so unless you've got somebody that's going to hold you accountable yeah. or some something to hold you accountable, it's so easy to let it slip and slide. Absolutely. And I like to, again, recommend that people have somebody can, to hold them accountable on their goals, whether that person works within the same business or is a is a business mentor friend of you or a, or a personal friend, somebody who can keep you going or you could join a mastermind group or something like that where you have a group of people keeping each other accountable but that is so important isn't it to make sure that there is somebody on your back about it all the time definitely so definitely so and and i mean there's there's so much that you can do i mean i could probably do a weekend seminar just talking about goal setting yeah Uh, maybe i should (laughs) (laughs) but i think that the the first step i always like i said at the start the first thing i always get people to do is to really kind of identify what they truly want what is it that you truly want and once you've identified what it is that you truly want the second stage is to say what's stopping you what obstacles do you have mm. right now what is it that's getting in your way because from what i found on on my own trial and errors and with the companies that i work with and in and, and the individuals i work with there's only really three reasons why they don't move towards the goal and i find that the first one is that there's no clarity around it mm. They've, got, they've not put no time out to really kind of flesh it out and get into the real like the the, the nuts and bolts of it, if you like. Um, and then the second thing that stops them is that they don't have the right tools, or the word that you're not massively fond of is strategies. Yeah. They don't have the right tools and strategies in place. And and then the third thing is if that they've got the right strategy and the right tools and they've got the right clarity over, it, and if it's still not working, then they've got some kind of internal conflict that's holding them back. So there's a conflict somewhere. And I was just talking about this with a, a good friend of mine the other day who was trying to really make it into the the online TV world. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the issues that he's got is he, he's got all the talents, he's got all the skills, he's got all the gifts, but there's something that's holding him back. Mm-hmm. And we've worked on his strategies. They're really good. We've worked on the clarity. That needs to be improved, but it but it's better than most. The only thing that's really getting in his way is his own internal conflicts. And what I mean by this is that one of the things that he despises more than anything else is that he, he doesn't like the idea that if he makes it big time, that he will not be able to walk into a local supermarket and shop without being mobbed. <laughs> right. And so he has this internal conflict that's really holding him back because he knows that deep inside, if he's going to make a real name for himself, there's going to be a lot of issues that's going to come with that and it's going to cause conflict. That's quite interesting, isn't it? And that's what's stopping him from developing. That's that's really holding him back and stopping it. Yeah, I mean, the clarity needs to to, to really be beefed up. He does need to add a bit more fat on the bone for for the clarity side. But but ultimately, he's got the right tools and strategies. It's just the confidence in the way. Absolutely, and and, and it could take years before it gets to the point where he can't walk into the supermarket without being seen. Exactly. exactly. But this is this this comes down to. A, one of the fears, what, what's often known as fear of success. Moving on from goal setting, so assuming we've we've set the goals, and, and, and you quite rightly said we could talk about goals just for the rest of the day, and, and then you could go off and do your seminar on goals. The second part of the model that I look at is is developing the offer, and and very very simply and very very briefly, um, that this tends to replace all the SWOT analysis and PEST analysis that most people would do at an academic level. I get people to answer three questions: Who's your customer? 
what's the customer's problem or what's the customer's issue? And then how do you solve their problem better than anybody else? And if you can answer those three questions, you'll come up with an offer with issues, either a product or a service that you can then take out to the market. But again, it's got to stand out. It's got to be different. And my eyes were drawn to one of the... um, things that you coach people about you use the term blue oceans you know hmm. you don't need to compete in bloody red o- oceans when you have the right usp and the right market segmentation so that sounds like a similar sort of thing so talk yeah. me through the blue oceans idea yeah it's all i mean the, the, the blue ash the blue i can't speak now the blue <laughs> ocean strategy is is absolutely right it's about getting people out of that competitive blood ocean which is red and forging new markets for themselves and so what it's doing is it's stopping you looking at the competition and actually making the competition irrelevant. Yeah. And so there's so many fantastic opportunities or case studies rather that we've seen over time where this has happened. You look at someone like Netflix who could have quite easily just gone down the same route as Blockbuster, opened up some shops, they, they raised the equity, they got the money behind them, but they realized that actually, how can we take a product that's already here? How can we make it uh, better and improve it? And how can we innovate it? And I think that's the the, the real key here is the innovation. Um, if you don't innovate, you simply die. We see this on the high street. We see this with HMB. We see this with Maplin. We see this with Blockbuster. Do you know, Blockbuster could have at this time. I think at the time, Blockbuster were hitting around four billion a year in revenue, and they got an opportunity to buy Netflix for sixty million, which they rejected, saying <laughs> that they didn't think it was worth it. Yeah, it's a passive fad. Um, it's a passing fad and, and, and obviously now we're, we're looking at a company like Apple who's in negotiations trying to buy Netflix for 40 billion, billion yeah. and, and, and this is a perfect example of making sure that you are innovating and, 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 and the greatest innovation happens in this blue ocean strategy so it's about creating that unique selling proposition it's about how you separate yourself from the market and I think that what happens a lot of the time I, well, what I have is I, I have a, a, an action workbook, the ultimate massive your business workbook that I use with with my clients. And, and actually that's stage two in the workbook. I talk about blue ocean strategies. And one of the things that I talk about in there is about how we can get them out of that, that ocean and move them into the unexplored mm. ocean. Because I think what, what most businesses, they'll stay in that current market in the red ocean and try and compete. Mm. And they may try to branch out in that, soon-to-be market, your non-customers who's very close to moving into their market space and they're, they're trying to spend the time developing there, whereas there's two other market spaces I find. There's, there's one that's refusing, so the customers that's just completely refusing to buy or show interest in what you do, but then there's that unexplored market, you know, who's a distant from the current markets that you're in, but they're just maybe they're unaware or there's a, an opportunity that you've, you've not presented to them just yet. So it's how you get yourself in there and make the competition completely irrelevant. Yeah, it's like it's like what's your Uber or what's your Airbnb? Totally. What makes you stand out? I mean, again, you read every day the launch of another low-cost airline, and you think some people somewhere might want to pay for something a little bit more upmarket, but it always seems to be most companies just want to be the same as everybody else. They might have a different logo. Their price might be 1p higher or 1p lower, but they're effectively the same. There's nothing yeah. to differentiate them. And it is so frustrating. Totally, totally. And and I think that that's, that's the issue. I mean, you see Pound uh, Pound World, they've just gone into liquidation. And, and, and is there a market for cheap? 
I think that, that tells you everything that you need to know. There's, there's, there's a few that may get away with that cheap market space, but people want value. And it's so easy. I find that businesses buckle every single time and they try and, they try and justify the price rather than justifying the service. And it's it's down to probably experience. You know, we've all probably been there at some stage where we thought that if we come into this space with a cheaper product, that we'll clean up. And you soon realise actually people's not really buying on price. They shop on price, mm. but they buy on value. And and so like in terms of the, the the offer, it's it's got to be something that you believe in. It's got to be something that you can deliver. And I think that there's a. It, I, I think in the marketing term they call it promise pitch price yes and and so i think that where we're looking at now with the offer is is pretty much what your pitch is and and let's face it it's not easy you know it, it is hard to come up with something different it's hard to to justify the investment in doing that thing that's different and and it can be quite scary as well and i can understand why some people just say well if we're just the same as everybody else at least we'll keep plodding on but if you genuinely sure. want to make a difference you've got to have the guts and the consistency and the uh, desire and the belief, like you said, to, to to take it through. So we've got our goal. We've got our yeah. offer. Gosh, I wish business was as easy as this and, and as quick as this. Then we move into the activity. And by activity, I effectively mean sales and marketing, the tactical part of it. The, the reason I try to push strategy into the background is I often find that the word strategy scares people. But what I also see a lot of today, especially within within digital marketing um, businesses, is that they do tend to dive straight into the tactical execution of marketing. So people will say, oh, we need to be on Twitter. We need to be doing, we need to be doing things on LinkedIn. We need to be doing advertising. My, my, I will always hold my hands up and say, yes, yes, but we haven't done the goal and we haven't done the offer yet. And you can't communicate something if you don't know what it is. Again, my eyes were drawn to the words on your website, John. You know, you must develop strategies that give you omnipresence in this digital yeah. world. So we've we've got the we've got the goal set, we've got the offer built. It's a it's a blue ocean offer. It stands out. How do we to market and sell it? I think anybody that's not moving into that social media field because they think it's not going to work for them or their customers aren't there will be they'll be missing out massively. I think you only have to look at Look at all this fiasco that's happened with Cambridge Analytica. <laughs> yes. But but we can learn so much as businesses from, from that because what they've done there is phenomenal. Do you know, they've taken markets, they've segmented markets, and they've they've presented and served information to you based on your own personal profile. Mm. And, and as a business, we need to do the same. We need to do exactly the same. And I, I genuinely see that businesses over the next decade will so certainly some will become real practitioners in segmentation. Mm. You know, do we deliver market marketing material based on fear? Do we deliver marketing material based on results? Do we deliver marketing material based on the impulsive purchase mm -hmm. and, and, and really get into the kind of psychology behind the buyer? Because this is where I see a lot of, a lot of businesses struggle because like you said, just right then, Joe, they want to jump straight into the tactical. We aren't doing the homework. Mm. If your goal is to is to really kind of find that audience and tap into it, if you don't really know the audience, if you don't know avatars, if you like, you know where they hang out, what do they like to spend the money on, how much do they earn, where do they go, then it's like throwing dust in the wind. Yeah. So I, I think that it's it's really clear. It well, it needs to be really clear in terms of who that 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 audience is. 
And, and, and then, so if we can start to identify what the buyers really want, we can then shape a product around there. And that comes back down to questioning. You know, one of the, one of the sales techniques that, that I teach is, it's probably very old now, but it's surprising how many people have never heard of it, which is a, a system or a tool called spin. Mm-hmm. And, and so the very first S, if you're familiar, is the S from the spin is situation. Yeah. So Roger, what's your situation right now? Well, my situation right now is X, Y, and Z. Okay, so we'll move to the P. Problem. What problems do you face in your situation right now? Well, it's this and it's this and it's this. Okay, fantastic. We move to the I. Implication. What implication will these problems have on your business if we don't solve them? Well, I can't grow. I can't this and this and this and this. Fantastic. Right. I have what you need. Yeah. And I've wrapped the want around it because you tell me everything that you want. Yeah. It's very similar to a, to a marketing technique called problem agitate solution. It's the same sort of thing. Yeah. It's getting people yeah, to tell you what they want and what the implications of their, their issue are. John, fantastic chatting to you today. I always end wow. the podcast with a couple of quick questions. And the first one, another marketing orientated question, and this is about what other people are doing. Is there a, is there a marketing campaign or a product or something that's caught your attention recently? And it could be for anything. It could be a car. It could be a, a meerkat. It could be a holiday. And anything that's really made you think, wow, they're doing a good job here. Do, do you know what? Yeah. And, and actually... It, it it was such an amazing hack what the company did. So it was it was Volvo, mm-hmm. and what they did was it was just breathtaking. Um, so obviously the the Super Bowl, as we know, is the most expensive time yeah. in the world to advertise. Yeah. So all these all the car manufacturers, the big players, the Mercedes and BMW and Audi and all everyone like this were chucking millions and millions and millions of pounds to advertise through Super Bowl. And what Volvo did was they said, whenever you see any car advert through the Super Bowl, use the hashtag, and I forget the hashtag now, but it was something like, we love Volvo, or Volvo <laughs> Volvo love, or something like that. Yeah. And we'll put you into a competition to win a brand new Volvo, or yeah. to win some money, or whatever it was. So all of a sudden, all these companies have spent millions of pounds to advertise Mercedes and BMW, and Volvo took all the benefit because everyone was even there. I said because they wanted to win their prize pot. I forget the exact um, competition as such, but I just remember that what an amazing hack that they did to steal audience through yeah. social media. They almost created a load of social media waves, tidal waves. Every time there was an advert, people were, were hashtagging that word and yeah. off it went. That's fantastic. And you've written loads of business books yourself, but tell me about a business book that you've read from another author that, again, has floated your boat a bit. I'll tell you the one that's really kind of got me since since I, I picked it up like that. So my daughter's live in Canada. Right. Uh, so I, I can tell you the exact date when this happened. So it was August last year. I was taking her back. We'd gone to Manchester Airport. And I always buy a book when I'm in, if I'm in the airport. I always tend to buy a book. And I'd seen this one book, and it was a, a book called Solve for Happy right. by Mo Godat. And he's the head, or oh, the ex-head of Google X. Right. So he looks after all Google's secret projects. And, and basically the book was all about creating algorithms for happiness, um, phenomenal book. I've read it like four times since since August last year. I can't recommend it highly enough. You know, it's it's just a, an absolute pleasure to read, and and every time you read it, you find something new in there. That definitely has to go onto the bucket list. I think, John, definitely. And finally, I'm hoping that people who are listening to the show are going to want to get in touch with you, perhaps have a chat with you about what you offer. What's yeah. the best way that people should get in touch with you? 
The, the best way is to go straight through my website. So the, the website, johncovey.com, John without the H, just J-O-N, uh, johncovey.com. Uh, there's loads of free resources on there. People can download so much free stuff. There's, there's links, there's blogs, there's videos. There's loads of things that they can really kind of wrap their head around. That's probably the best way to, 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 to reach out to me or look on social media. As you said, I try to have as much omnipresence <laughs> as possible. So I'm on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, everywhere, Snapchat, Instagram. I'm, I'm pretty much, it's, it's a behind the scenes look at my life really, most of it. Excellent. I'll include links to all of that in the show notes for the podcast, which you can find at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MAF. That's rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MAF. John, it's been a pleasure to talk to you this afternoon. So much common ground, so much interesting stuff to talk about, about growing businesses, coming up with goals, coming up with offers and coming up with activities which will get people to know you and like you and trust you enough to do business with you. Thanks for coming on the show. Let me wish you every success for the future and hopefully we can meet up in person at some point in the future. Fabulous. Thank you so much, Roger. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Do please look at the show notes at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MAF for links to the apps and topics and books we discussed. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Simply visit rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash iTunes and leave a review. I'll catch you on the next episode. In the meantime, keep marketing your business to keep growing your business.